0: Welcome to the IFE podcast series. Today's podcast is an IFE Grand Challenge lecture and features the Honourable Trish White, National President and Chair of Engineers Australia. Trish White is a professional company director and experienced engineer who serves on company boards in the insurance, property, manufacturing and university sectors. Trish also provides business advisory services to boards and executives of both commercial and not-for-profit organisations, and is passionate about the future and impact of engineering in Australia. Her lecture, recorded on Friday the 21st of September, is entitled Engineering a Revolution – From Impossible Complexity to Transformed Lives. We hope you enjoy this IFE Grand Challenge Lecture.
1: Good evening everybody. It's a great pleasure to be here today. Uh, Thank you very much for the invitation. I've had a a really wonderful, inspiring day talking to the researchers here at QUT. Um, What I really like about a lot of the research that was described to me today is how multidisciplinary it is, how complex the thinking. And how relevant the thinking. So um, a real, a real thrill. Today I want to talk to you about engineering a revolution from impossible complexity to improved lives. Um, a revolution, we are um, have upon us the fourth industrial revolution. Um, and uh, it is one that involves lots of technologies interfaces of lots of technologies lots of complexity and the problems are complex but has the opportunity to deliver to our nation and to the globe improved lifestyles for people so before um, it's an exciting time but before I uh, take you on the journey to the new economy and uh, new industries and uh, talk a little bit about the role that engineers will play and the critical leadership role in making that transformation uh, successful and beneficial. I thought we'd just, uh, for everyone in this room, talk a little bit about... uh, uh, You know, before we get into the sea of big data and artificial intelligence or AI of robotics, uh, the internet of things, autonomous vehicles, um, additive manufacturing and 3D printing uh, of nanotechnology, biotechnology, um, use of new materials, energy storage, quantum computing. Let's take a look back at how we got to this point. So... As I'm sure most of you know, the first industrial revolution generally refers to a time uh, generally around 1760 when steam power was used to mechanise production. There were advances in metallurgy, the textile industry in particular gained pace. When we talk about the second industrial revolution, we really are talking about a period around a century later uh, which saw the intervention of uh, the telegraph, the telephone, powered flight, the light bulb, and the Model T Ford. It was an era of mass production, assembly lines, electricity. Next cab off the rank, Uh, was the digital revolution. That started, uh, this picture's from around the 1950s, um, and it was when there was widespread use of electronics and computers to automate production. Now we live in an era, and it is upon us, the fourth industrial revolution, Industry 4.0. I know you've heard of a new chapter in human development, enabled by technologies, a time of cyber physical systems, a blurring of the boundaries between uh, the digital, the cyber and the physical and biological spheres. It's set apart from the previous industrial revolution, the third, the digital revolution, by its speed, its scope and its impact with change occurring at an exponential pace rather than a linear pace. And it's disrupting almost every industry in nearly every country and fundamentally altering the way we live, the way we work and the way we relate to each other. Already, the fourth industrial revolution well and truly Is touching our lives. As a species we now date by swiping left and right on a carefully curated photograph. Some cases are manipulated photographs. We flirt sending emojis of peaches and eggplants and order Uber Eats if we feel like a quiet night in. What does it say? about the role of technology in our lives that we refer to Netflix and a chill as a euphemism for sex. As Australia's chief scientist, Alan Finkel, uh, has observed, when we have a baby, one of the first things we do is get out the mobile phone and take a photo. Every second, he notes, four humans are born. And nine iPhones are born as well. So we're making new series more than twice as fast as we're making new babies. And of course there's series AI siblings, your personal assistants Cortana and Alexa, your chat box Replica and Watson from IBM who diagnoses tumors and talent scouts for the professional basketball leagues. Already, Google's duplex AI makes phone calls on your behalf and chats with the human who answers using a human voice with a rising inflection and the occasional uh, mm mm-hmm for added realism. We already have tools to help us take better photos Remember our wedding anniversaries, study, experience virtual reality, keep a toddler entertained, navigate, be mindful, shop, compare prices. And there is so much creativity and innovation. Innovation activity in this country and in the OECD accounts for about 50% of economic growth in the OECD. Innovation is crucial to maintain and improve our economic position. But I just want to take you to the scorecard, and I know that you will be familiar with some of this information on innovation. Australia ranks, as we all know, very well on uh, out of OECD covers. In fact, it ranks number fifth for overall proportion of innovation active businesses. We do very well at the front end. This graph is showing you that um, also that uh, we are well above that, that average, but that um, most of the, um, the, the top five OECD countries are quite far above the rest. However, what we don't do so well is in developing that innovation. We have a lower proportion of new to market innovations and amongst um, innovation active businesses, the income from sale of innovative goods ranks fairly lowly. Um, we are new to market in innovation as a ranked 23rd out of 31 in the OECD. The other thing about Australia's innovation is that it's somewhat inward-looking. What you can see in this in this um, pictorial here, uh, the very dark blue in the bar graphs is that innovation that is new globally, whereas the far to the right, the um, grey larger portion of those bar graphs, is that innovation which is just new to the business only. So, what you can see there is that while we innovate, we don't export a lot of our innovation. Ranked last of 35 in the OECD on economic complexity, we um, see that innovation improves efficiency, but it's not creating new products For the market. And there's a low proportion of large businesses innovating, ranked 23 out of 31 there for new to market innovators. The other thing that I um, would like to point out with this slide here is um, the jobs growth and where it is in our economy the so called old versus new economy. As you can see, The high-growth businesses create quite a number of jobs in this this country, two million jobs, but the negative growth businesses lost even more. Over the same period, if you can look to the far right, the um, net jobs growth in the country is made up mainly... By startups' jobs growth. There were 820,000 new jobs created over that period, um, uh, startups accounting for 1.2 million new jobs. Um, a few days ago, the World Economic Forum came out with a report talking about the um, future landscape. Um, It was a future of jobs report. It surveyed 300 global companies employing more than 15 million uh, people around, workers around the nation, uh, around the globe. Um, The key message that came out from it was that uh, the division of labour between humans, machines and their algorithms is shifting quickly. Today, machines um, account for 29% of tasks performed in businesses. By 2022, only four years' time, that is set to rise to 42%. Humans currently perform 71% of the task hours, so the time taken in tasks in businesses, That is set over the next four years to decline to 58% of task hours. So, whether you believe those net figures are exactly correct or not, what you can see is this is a massive shift, a huge productivity gain if implemented well. What you can see in the jobs landscape there before you is that um, there is quite a significant um, increase in overall jobs predicted by the World Economic Forum over the next four years, um, 75 million today, 75 million to 133 million jobs, and you can see there a list of those jobs that they predict given the survey data from those um, 300 global companies they surveyed, of those jobs that are emerging and those in decline. Top of the emerging list, data analysts and scientists, AI and machine learning specialists, uh, software um, and developer, application developers and analysts, uh, to name a few. Given that enormous... uh, uplift in potential jobs, and I caveat as well, if implemented well, there's a lot of focus being put on the transition to that new economy. Um, The Industry 4.0 in Australia is um, being guided um, in an analogous way to overseas nations, analysis to the European platform 4.0 that um, is uh, um, doing a whole stream of work about how can nations really deliver for their populations in moving to this new digital economy. Um, There is an Australian task force that has agreed to cooperate internationally across five main streams of work, uh, representing the key challenges in the transition to an industry 4.0 future. And those are, very importantly, reference architectures, standards and norms, uh, support for small and medium enterprise uh, through, for example, um, industry 4.0 testbeds, security of network systems, cyber security and the future of work, looking at what shifts need to be um, taken in education and training. From the slide that I have there in front of you, again a World Economic Forum uh, slide in in their Future of Jobs report out this week, you can see that automation and digitalisation look very different across different industries. Also the take up across countries varies quite significantly. You can see that um, if we, uh, we've got um, different types of robots for example, the revolution that's occurring and the many faces of robots uh, and this indicates the adoption amongst uh, companies um, over the next four years. It varies in terms of its take-up between humanoid robots. Our first movers there were into the financial services and investment industries, uh, which have a quite significant take-up. Stationary robots, we're familiar with those in the automotive and aerospace supply and supply chains. Uh, Those first movers in that field um, over the next four years are predicted to uh, have an adoption rate of 53%, so quite high. The aerial and underwater robots, um, 19% on average, whereas in oil and gas, the take-up there is predicted to be, again, more more than half. And in non-humanoid land robots, um, in the automotive and aerospace industries, Um, 33% across the board. What's very interesting is two-thirds of the global investment in artificial intelligence is pouring into China, which has helped um, the AI industry in China uh, there grow uh, by about 67% just last year alone. So quite significant investment um, you might know about uh, Cabricon, um, which is a very young startup in China, a state-backed enterprise, um, which produces semiconductors and AI chips, uh, is now producing an AI chip with a deep an optimized deep learning um, technology which it will be putting into and is putting into the Huawei uh, smartphones and predicting over the next few years, that there will be a billion smartphones worldwide with that technology. Australians want smart products and services, infrastructure that makes our life easier and we want to be connected uh, physically and electronically and digitally. There's vast land mass in, in Australia um, that makes that provision quite expensive. As a result, we're seeing a lot of uptake in drones uh, with accurate data capture for remote assessments and uh, inspections. A lot of uptake in drones um, in areas uh, where it's dangerous for humans to be. Driverless vehicles, we're seeing that in mining sites in remote areas. Uh, The use of augmented reality to take humans out of dangerous situations to overlay digital designs onto physical spaces and we're seeing that in the construction industry something that's really saving a lot of time and money in the design process avoiding costly design mistakes autonomous robots are now painting the sydney harbour bridge Uses at height in confined spaces, um, saving workers from uh, working with lead paint. Those robots work uh, with their neighbouring um, human in, in all sorts of areas, uh, taking advantage of the physical motion of a human, uh, shot cro- concreting, blasting, taking weight from a human who's working at height and tiring, um, lending the machine's body weight to supplement what the human is doing, so a lot of advance in that. A lot of focus also on developing world-beating core satellite technology. Um, uh, We saw the Space Agency, the Australian Space Agency, uh, form in July this year, and Uh, Australia does have a reputation for uh, processing spatial information and the intention there is to improve our GPS capability uh, in populated regions down to a um, a three centimetre um, capability, which is quite extraordinary if you think about the, the uses that that could bring. Alongside... That push, we are seeing uh, a number of startups in small satellite, nanosat um, technology, the, the manufacture of those coming down in price, and we're seeing start-up ac- activity. We're seeing um, Department of Defence talking to smaller companies than they used to talk to, um, and with Internet of things, applications, remote sensors. Um, we're seeing applications where um, in agriculture, for example, um, sensors remotely can um, connect uh, a range of sensors using these small satellites and um, detect, sense, monitor and um, adjust um, in in those remote occasions, Uh, in communications, in mining and remote oil and gas platforms, distributed sensors connected via networks. One of the really exciting technologies that is occurring uh, today is uh, the technology of additive manufacturing, Uh, 3D printing, I'm sure you've heard of, disrupting many sectors um, just uh, to, if you're, if you're not sure what additive manufacturing is, um, unlike extractive manufacturing where you take a block of material and cut and extract um, what you don't want from, him, from it, uh, causing uh, much waste, um, additive manufacturing builds up the, the what you do. It, it, it allows much more... Um, Sophisticated design um, allows for um, new materials, lighter materials that lead to uh, better and uh, less cost um, manufacture, less waste and fast prototyping as well as more um, uh, interesting composite materials being used. Uh, plastics, metals, and then comp- composite materials, not just using old materials. So, using that sort of technology, um, printing your own replacement parts, for example, uh, leading to very even large uh, mining, oil and gas type of equipment in remote locations, instead of the cost of transporting and importing those parts... You can send the designs and print, and the technology there is improving all the time. The amount of data out there um, about each and every one of us is huge, and the implications are enormous about uh, the potential immense benefit, but also the potential harm that can be caused if we don't use this data and treat it well. Uh, when we provide information about ourselves, we seldom fully consider where it will end up. For example, people enjoy finding out about their ancestry uh, by sending saliva or a cheek swab to sites like Ancestry.com and others uh, to find out uh, perhaps that they're one-sixteenth of a particular racial Uh, Grouping. Your your faithful Fitbit, dishing up data on every step you take, every heartbeat. Like Santa Claus, it knows when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake. Unlike Santa Claus, it's real. Facebook scans our photos, naming the people in them, identifying our friends and family members, assessing our consumer preferences, via what we wear, what we eat, deciding on our personality type, using that information for advertisers to sell us things or attempt to sway our votes. People simply walking down the street in New York City recently were scanned in the lead-up to Fashion Week and artificial intelligence and machine learning used to find people who look different from the norm, a process shoe company, New Balance, called real-time exception spotting. We know about the Cambridge Analytica um, data mining company that uh, claimed it had psychological profiles of 220 220 million US citizens based on 5,000 separate data data sets. There's also the possible misuse of data for heightened inequality. Computers can be biased as their human desires... Uh, who are not especially diverse. Siri and her um, AI siblings tend to have young white male dads. Last year, we saw where facial recognition programs, one produced by IBM, could cor- correctly identify a person's gender from a photo 99% of the time for white men. For dark skinned women, not so much. The system got it wrong 34% of the time. Similarly, the popular Face app, which lets you make a face older, younger, hotter, um, the opposite sex, initially made dark faces lighter when adjusting them to be, quote, better. We remember Tay, the Microsoft-developed chat box, um, who... Uh, interacted with people on Twitter and learnt by doing so, but not in a very nice way. American academic and author Virginia Eubanks examines the issue of digital bias in a book, Automating Inequality. One of the examples she gives is of a Department of Human Services program in part of the USA that employs a predictive algorithm to identify children likely to be a victim of abuse. One of the factors it used was if a child had been referred to the system more than once. The problem is that people are more likely to report African Americans suspected of abuse than white families suspected of abuse, and that showed up in the results. She has come up with an oath of digital non-harm, I won't read it to you, but it talks about the sorts of issues that we should be cognizant of when we design and implement these systems. Engineers that are chartered sign up to a code of conduct and a code of ethics. Um, There are 100,000... 100,000 members of Engineers Australia that abide by that code, Um, while not as poetic as the the poem of the previous slide, it also commits engineers to uh, using our knowledge and skills for the benefit of the community and the environment. In it, we sign up to demonstrate integrity, practise competently, exercise leadership, promote sustainability. Looking to the future with driverless cars, Um, we'll all soon have access to the chauffeuring that um, we dream of, and with increased road safety to boot. We'll have more personalised medicine, virtual personal assistance, drones make deliveries. On the other hand, we're being increasingly put under surveillance, subject to potential for misuse, for cyber warfare, cyber crimes, and identity theft. Cyberbullying. Our elections can be influenced by false news. As we know from our own research, over 70% of the fastest growing occupations in Australia need science, technology, engineering, and math skills. If we automate away the entry level profession tasks completely, we have to be sure that we can give junior people the experience they need to take on the higher-level work that technology can't deliver. How can we ensure the technology is used for good? Engineers are at the heart of the transition that needs to occur. They're the people that um, use their practical problem-solving skills to turn ideas into practical products and services for the benefit of the community. Unlocking the productivity gains, harnessing innovation, creating new jobs and doing it in an ethical manner will require a new skill set. People sometimes call them soft skills, but they're often hard for engineers to learn, but increasingly significant contribution to professional success. Communication skills, ability to tell a story about the importance and value of the technology and the solution. But engineers, while they have to be analytical, be prepared to get into the detail, they also need to be able to see the wider context. They need to be multidisciplinary, have a wider view, engage in full networks, draw information from other areas and disciplines, understand the businesses they're in, understand the customers they serve, because good engineering ultimately is about people. The value an engineer brings to the increasingly complex problems of modern times lies not solely in our technical knowledge, nor is it rooted just in the problem-solving processes rather The value we add comes from the deliberate integration of both of those things towards some meaningful end. Our relevance lies in the combination of our specialist knowledge, our discipline processes and systems thinking and the impact of our work on society. Creativity and judgment, the ability to understand when the answers you are getting are wrong Ability to estimate what the answers might be. Impact. Does the technology and the way it's applied serve the community in the right way? A sense of users and a sense of consequences. Whose rules and how do you insert the rules in an artificial intelligence algorithm? What is the quality of the data feeding that AI from sensors? Chartered engineers um, are required to comply with 16 areas of competency. They're grouped into four main categories. Personal commitment, which deals with things like ethical ethics um, issues, um, the practising competently and being responsible for your activities. Obligation to community about safe and sustainable solutions meeting legal and regulatory uh, requirements. Value, bringing value into the workplace, the way you communicate, your performance, taking action when you need to take action and using judgment. And of course your technical proficiency, advancing engineering knowledge using local knowledge, problem analytics and evaluating your work. Chief Scientist Dr Alan Finkel suggested that one of the ways forward may be to develop an ethical mark of quality when we talk about the um, algorithms of our artificial intelligence, sim- similar to fair trade coffee or Heart Foundation tick that can be applied to products, organisations and services that have been audited for digital integrity and ethics. There are a mountain of trust marks out there. Um, it's, it's an idea worth having a debate about in the nation. The other thing I think that we can do to increase our performance when it comes to the digital Um, revolution and the technologies that we implement is to increase the diversity of our engineers, starting in our primary schools and throughout school and our universities. Um, Engineers Australia is particularly passionate about encouraging girls in STEM from primary school onwards. It's a a hard task. Only 6% of girls in this in this country study Year 12 Advanced Maths and Physics and the figures aren't very much better for young men. Engineers Australia turns 100 in the next 12 months. It was founded with a a very strong purpose. Its purpose today is to advance the science and practice of engineering for the benefit of the community. That's a core purpose. That hasn't changed and it is what we believe um, will drive our stewardship of um, the engineering profession as it responds to the future fostering cultural change so Australian society can benefit from a more inclusive qualified inspired practical engineering workforce. The engineers of today will play a key role in sustaining, creating sustainable energy solutions, making our cities more functional, more effectively, bringing better sanitation, nutrition to the de- developing world and improving human health and so much more. While it's impossible to predict what other advances the future will hold. It's a certainty that they will rely on engineers as part of the professional bodies and um, a mixture of professions that will be called upon to turn ideas into reality. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.
0: You've been listening to a podcast from the IFE. To stay up to date with our podcasts, please subscribe to our channel. You can also visit us on the web at qut.edu.au forward slash IFE. And we're also on Twitter at IFE underscore QUT and also on Instagram at IFE.QUT. We really hope you enjoyed this IFE
1: podcast.